This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everybody. If it's your first time at ABC Church this morning, we give you a really, really warm welcome. And if you're listening to us online, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Everybody loves good news, don't they? Do you love good news? They're getting married. Do you love to know that kind of news? To have it first and share it. You'll never guess what. You'll never guess who's getting married. Everybody loves good news. She's having a baby. Sometimes that's good news. Sometimes it's bad news, isn't it? You know, depending on how the whole family planning thing is going on. But when someone wants to have a baby and everything works out and the pregnancy test is, I don't know if it's red or blue, I've never done one myself. But when the pregnancy test is exactly what someone is looking for and everything's good and she's having a baby, that's great. But the ultimate thing is where a new bouncing baby boy or girl is born. She's having a baby. It's a boy. Great, great news, isn't it? I've had the promotion. Isn't that great news? Anybody, anybody ever come to you and said, I've had that promotion. I went for the interview. It was really hard and arduous, but I went through it all. And I had that phone call. I was dreading it because I thought it was going to be that phone call. You know what that phone call is, don't you? Yes. Hi. Is that Claire? Yes, it's Claire. Ah, I'm sorry to tell you, at this moment in time, your application was unsuccessful. Isn't it bad news? But don't we love the good news? You've got the job. Or the one that annoys me the most. Good news or bad news? You're on X Factor. The drums are all going. All the music in the back is... And going through to the next round is... And doesn't it seem like an ages that they stay in that moment? And going through to the next round is, and it's amazing the reaction, sometimes in our living room, sometimes on our sofa, where someone goes, Ray! Another one goes, oh, that's ridiculous. How on earth are they getting through to the next round? They can't even sing for talk. Good news and bad news. Our world is full of news, but don't we all want good news? I've won that contract, says the businessman. Great, great news. If you haven't noticed, the title of my message this morning is entitled, The Day of Good News. The Day of Good News. In fact, good news and bad news is a big part of our society, isn't it? How many of you have heard good news and bad news jokes? Have you ever heard of them? My favorite good news and bad news jokes is the doctor that phones up a patient and said, I have got good news and bad news for you today. And he says, okay. He says, doctor says, what do you want? Do you want the good news or the bad news first? He says, I'll have the bad news first. He says, the bad news is you've got one week to live. He said, oh, Okay, the good, sorry, the good news first, let me get that right. It says, the good news first, you've got one week to live. It says, okay, tell me, what's the bad news then? I should have phoned you a week ago to let you know. 
Turn to me to the book of 2 Kings and chapter 7. And we're going to look at a wonderful story that's to be found here. Some of the uh, young adults that were away at the YA Revolution Conference, um, I turned to Aileen when... Uh, um, what was his name? Chris Durso. Chris Durso spoke from this text. I prepared this message uh, months ago back in the spring uh, and wanted to come and I'd scheduled to preach this message today. And I turned to Aileen. I says, I hope he stops preaching fast. I says, because he's stealing half of my uh, message. But you'd be great to hear, you'd be delighted to know, uh, young adults, that I've got three different points that I want to share from the message with you today. So turn to me to the book of Second Kings chapter 7, and stick your finger for it in a moment, or look it up on your version Bible, smartphone, wherever you are. Please resist clearing down any notifications that you're seeing on your phone right now. Just hit pause and be there ready to go, because before I read the text to you, I want to give you some background. Do any of you know what it would be like or feel like to be under siege? To be under siege. This is not under siege as in you know, Stephen Siegel style in the ship and the USS Missouri and all of that nuclear weapons thing. Nothing to do with that at all. Being under siege is an act of war where a city that is encamped or with a fortified wall, where the enemy wants to attack that city, the easiest way to put that city under siege and under pressure is to cut off all supplies to it. Any of you seen the film Masada from years ago? That was a siege that was on the mountain of Masada when the Roman Empire were trying to conquer that uh, mountain and the people. And a siege is where if you and I were all living in a castle or living in a city and people try to cut off all the food supply or the water supply, maybe the electricity, maybe everything that's to come our way, that's what a siege is. And what has happened here is there's a king of the Amalekites that is fighting against the Sumerians, in the, city, the uh, children of Israel, in the city of Samaria. Now, this is the city of Samaria, okay? Not the place of Samaria, the city of Samaria. It's not there anymore. It's in ruins and it's gone, but not to be confused with the country of Samaria. So it's very much like, you know, you've got New York City, and you've got New York County that New York City is in, which is in New York State. So when people tell you, I come from New York, you've got to check with them. Do they come from New York City, New York State, or New York County? Because they could be coming from all aspects of that place. Same thing with Samaria. There's the city of Samaria that this scripture is in that was under siege. And there is the area uh, of Samaria that we read about a lot in the New Testament in particular. So this is the city of Samaria. A fortified wall. And this siege had been going on for months and months and months. There was no food. There was no flour. They had water. That was just about it. The siege got so bad that if you read Second Kings chapter 6, it got so bad that two women end up having a conversation. And the conversation goes like this. Tell you what, we'll eat my son today. We'll eat your son tomorrow. And there's a big argument because they ate her son on one day. And then the next day when they're going to eat the other son, she's hidden him. Can you imagine a siege or warfare being so bad that you would consider eating your own son 
let alone another human being. That's how bad it was. And so Elijah is there, and in the middle of all of this siege, Elijah comes and gives a word. And gives a word, because the price of flour, as you can imagine, with demand and everything was going up. And he said that a, a seer of flour, which is around five kilograms, five bags of sugar in weight, will be sold for a certain figure, a shekel, I'll tell you about, which is a shekel is roughly around a day's wages. So a day's wages for a bag of flour, and I'll read these scriptures for you now. So do you get it? They're under siege, and there's a massive problem. So, if your finger's not numb yet, open up the Bible and turn to me to 2 Kings chapter 7. You can now flick up your smartphone too. Read with me. The story goes like this. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a five kilograms of flour of the finest flour will sell for a shekel, a day's wages, and two Again, 10 kilograms of barley for a shekel, because before that, the price has gone crazy, crazy. At the gate of Samaria, and that's the gate of the city. Next verse says this. The officer on whose arm the king was leading said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, how could this happen? Because they're under siege. They're saying, how can this happen in 24 hours? You will see it with your own eyes, answered the prophet Elijah. But you will not eat of any of it. Do you know, sometimes in life, I'll pause there before I continue. Sometimes God gives us a promise in our lives that seems so unbelievable that sometimes we don't even believe it ourselves. Have you had occasions like that? Have you had occasions like that? How many of you right now are hanging on to a particular word that you know God has spoken to you over your life, that you know, you feel it in your heart, it's confirmed in so many different places and in so so, by so many different people, and yet the situation, when you look at it with your own eyes, seems so impossible right now. God can change things in an instant. In 24 hours in this story, God changes things. So can you be encouraged from this message as believers this morning to hang on to the promises of God? Because when God says it, sometimes we say, how can this happen? How can this happen? Just trust in the Lord with all your, all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He'll direct your paths. The scripture continues. Where are we? Now, there were four men with leprosy. Now, leprosy is not the leprosy that we know today. This Hebrew word leprosy is just any kind of skin disease. Okay? They just lumped them all in one. It could have been whatever it was. There was the type of leprosy that we now know uh, today and have given it particular definitions. But there was leprosy. There was a skin disease. And what people would do from the time of Moses, if you read Deuteronomy and Numbers, that there was things that would happen with people with skin diseases to prevent infection. They would be put outside the city gates or put outside the community to prevent infection. And so that tradition is continuing. So there were four men with leprosy at the entrance outside the city gate. The siege is going on inside. And they say this, why stay here until we die? There's nobody throwing food over the wall for them. Why stay here until we die? 
If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die because there's no food in the city. They are eating their kids inside the city walls. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, that's the enemy, and we'll surrender to them. Let's do it. If we go into the city, we're going to get killed. So let's go to the camp of the Arameans and we'll surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, then we will die. <laughs> do you get it? It's like logic that they're applying to this, isn't it? It sounds like a good pun, doesn't it, Martin? Sounds like a great plan because they're saying, look, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go there, we could die, but we could live as well. The story continues. This is a wonderful story. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to come and attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. I love it when God works, do you? I love it when God intervenes in our situation. And he intervened that day and the enemy had run for their lives. Listen to this bit. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp. I mean, they're hardly coming up like this, are they? Go to the end of the camp, because if they allow us to surrender, we will live. If we don't, we will. So they're hardly marching up. I don't know how they're coming up to the side of the camp. They're probably sneaking up to the side of the camp there as they reached the end, edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. Nobody there. They ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes, went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some of the things from it and hid them also. They must have thought this was Christmas. They got gold, they got silver. Was there frankincense and myrrh? I don't know. But they've got all this stuff that they're loading and they're going and hiding and they're running and, and they're food. And they are having a blast as there's nobody in the whole of this tent. Isn't that great news for them? But listen to this. And they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. And they're not talking about stealing here. Listen to what they say. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. This is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Because they think this is too good to be true. Well, look, I mean, you know, we want to make sure that the blessing is on us here now. We don't want, because of our selfishness, that this blessing is not shared with anybody else. Let's go at once, they say, and report this to the royal palace. So they went 
and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Aramean camp and no one was there. Not a sound of anyone. Only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. They didn't even jump on the horses and donkeys and go off. They just cleared out of there as quickly as they could, running for their lives. I find that passage really interesting. Such was the sound that God had caused them to hear. I love scripture, do you? I love scripture. The gatekeepers shouted the good news. Good news! Good news! The reporters, and it was reported within the palace, off they go, and someone with a scroll. Good news! The Arameans, gone. They have just disappeared. The king got up in the night, because remember this is happening at dusk, and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us, because the king is strategy, isn't he? He's thinking to himself, it could be a trap. So he says to himself, they know we are starving. So what they've done is they've left the camp to hide in the countryside because they are thinking they will surely come out. And as they come out, we will take them alive and we will get into the city. What a great plan, isn't it? So one of his officers answered, men take five of the horses that are left in the city, their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Meaning, if they go, they're going to die too. So, dead, dead. There's a lot of death in this text. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. Nice word. So, let us send them to find out what happened. So, they send these guys on chariots out to see what is happening. So, they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army. Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the, message, so the messengers returned and reported to the king. So it was clear this wasn't a plan and a, to catch them out, because everybody, as they were running, I don't know what was falling off them as they went, clothes and articles, because they are running for their lives because of the sound that the Lord has made them hear. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. They got the spoil. So, five kilograms of the finest flour sold for a day's wages, and ten kilograms of barley sold for a day's wages, as the Lord had said. I love it when a plan comes together, do you? But I love it even more when God is good to his promise his blessings, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh Lord. Let's pray before we look at the scripture in more detail. Father God, we thank you for the promise that's yours, that you're always in our lives, that you have a plan for us, and that you want the best for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us as believers, Lord, to hold on to the promises of God in our lives, even when we look at our circumstances and they seem so bleak. Help us to trust in you. But Lord, as we turn to the scripture right now, Lord, help us to see the story within this story. Lord, as we look at so many aspects of this text, Lord, today as we look at the behavior of these four lepers, Lord, would you help us to understand that today for us too is the day of good news. 
And if we keep the good news to ourselves, then there will be no celebration in the city. So, Lord, as we turn to the text right now, I pray that you'd open our hearts, open our ears and our mind to be able to hear the word ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a scripture that you can read in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And the scripture is this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word gospel is good news. That's what it means. Go into all the world and share or preach or communicate the good news. You know, today as we prepare for Alpha tomorrow night and the Alpha course and so many people that uh, we believe, there's already a few of you here at the church that are uh, recent converts and some of you that are uh, looking to explore faith already, uh, wanting to sign up in anticipation to the Alpha course. But as we visit this area of evangelism, good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, can I ask that we have the attitude of the four lepers that we have read in this story. The three points that I want to share with you quickly and briefly this morning, it's a long scripture and a long story, and I bet some of you were thinking as, he was, as I was going through that text this morning, I bet you're thinking if he spent 10 minutes just on the text, is he going to preach for five hours? No, I'm not going to preach for five hours, just about two, I think, uh, today. No, I'm not. I just got three brief points that I want us to reflect on this morning. Those of us in particular that know Jesus Christ and those of us that are on a journey of faith. And the three points are simply this. Go, share, bless. Go, share, bless. Go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you think about it, the lepers that were there uh, at the uh, city gate, they decide to go. They're thinking if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go there, we could die, but it could work out. We could live. And sometimes that going that we need to do, that going which is to make a step towards a person and to take a risk like that, is really difficult sometimes, isn't it? How many of us, it's, I mean, it, when we've crossed the line of faith and we've become a Christian, and some of you here have done that quite recently over the last year, you know, when you first came to church, come on, be honest, you thought some of us were a little weird, didn't you? You're thinking, what have I just stepped myself into here? These people raise their hands when we're singing in adoration to God. I mean, it seems logical to do that. I don't know, if you're in a football match, maybe, that we go and start singing, Arsenal! Arsene Wenger's resigned, so a lot of people are actually saying, yes, the gunners are on the way. You know, we do that way. Put our hands in the air, but in church to put our hands in the air? Yes, the Bible teaches it. And a lot of us, for all of us, when we pray, we put our hands in the air. And some of us use words like hallelujah and hosanna and amen. We use words that are deeply rooted in scriptures and mean something to us as believers that they give us a new vocabulary that we've got to exclaim. And some of you find yourselves in church and in environments around Christians and you're thinking, what on earth is going on here? How many of you felt that way the first time you came into church? Come on, hands up. How many of you felt that way? Yes, we all feel that way. And yet some of you here, I'm looking at you right now, 
Well, the problem is you've become weird too. As I was looking around and glancing around in worship this morning, I see you putting your hands in the air. I see you praising God. Why are you doing that? Because it's a reflection of the adoration of our hearts together for a God that has a plan for our lives and set his son Jesus to die for us. And it's the least that we can do is come and offer him a sacrifice of praise as we worship and as we sing songs and as we share time together. Isn't it? But now the thought of going and sharing that same good news with other people, with our neighbor down the road, with our friend in work, with somebody who asks us questions, it's fearful, isn't it? We don't know if they're going to like us or hate us. We're like the lepers that go into the enemy's camp. We don't know if they're going to kill us or we're going to surrender and we're going to live. And it's much like that. In fact, it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? But uh, can I encourage you, because it's the, uh, the command from the Bible that when we come to faith in Christ and we become his disciples, that we go and we proclaim the good news. Go into all the world and preach the good news. So can I encourage you to go? Can I encourage you? To ask a friend to come along to Alpha or to ask a colleague to come along to church. Because one thing we can do is go. But the second thing and the key thing is the sharing. Now that's the difficult bit. I don't know if some of you have read a fantastic book called Just Walk Across the Room by a guy called Bill Hybels. It's a fantastic little book. And it's a book about going. It's a book about when the Holy Spirit whispers in our hearts sometimes, you know, sometimes it happens a lot of the time, you know, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody at church the other day, you know, that when someone new comes, at, comes into church, this is so cool, listen to this, okay, when somebody new comes to church, this person makes a point of going to speak to them. Do you know why? Because they remember what it was like themselves when they first stepped through the church door. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know how they would be received. And so this person, having empathy for other people, has a plan and a strategy here when new people come into church to go and to walk across the room and speak to them. Is that you? That when someone new comes into our church or when somebody new is at your office, that you're the first person to come across and to welcome them. I hope you're the type of person and when somebody moves into your street that you maybe find a box of chocolates or go and buy a bottle of wine and go across to them and say, Hey, I'm Phil. I live in the yellow house around the corner there. Look, welcome. If I can help you in any way, I know loads of stuff that's around you with kind of where to get Indians and takeaways and where to get loads of different things. If I can help you in any way, go knock on that green door in the yellow house and I'll do my best to help you. But anyway, here's a bottle of wine. Welcome to the village. Or that you're dropping them a box of chocolates or somebody new at school or college. I hope you're the person that crosses a room and goes and speaks to them. Are you? Because we've got to go. And if you want to get a copy of that book, it's brilliant. It's called Just Walk Across the Room. Is when you're seeing somebody that might be all alone. When you're seeing someone that might be looking disconnected. When you're seeing somebody that might be looking troubled and something going on. 
Don't ask them what's going on. Just say, hey, I'm Phil. Or just go across and just have a conversation. Uh, you know, and tell them a little bit about yourself. And then, you know, things will open up. There's another book by Lyle Lowndes called How to Talk to Anyone About Anything. Fantastic little book if going up and talking to somebody is difficult for you. I hope we're the type of people that go. But I also hope that we're the type of people that share. That when we have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus, that we are sharing the good news. I love it when I am asked the question. It's one of the most popular questions on a Friday. Do you know the Friday question? Thank crunchy, it's Friday. Do you know what the Friday question is? Come on, you all know this. The Friday question is, what are you doing on the weekend? What an opportunity to share. So what do I say on the weekend? Well, I'm on a mission on the weekend. I tell you, I've got to mow the lawns on Monday, on Saturday. I've got to wash the cars. And on Sunday, I'm going to church. And then in the afternoon, I'm maybe going to take the dogs for a walk with Ruth. And that's it. A lot of the time, I don't even need to say any more than that. Because they respond with a, quest, a question, which is, <laughs> what? You go to church? I say, yes, don't you? Everybody goes to church on Sunday. Don't you go to church? Uh, well, no, I don't go to church. Ah, there's loads of people that go to church that I'm friends with. Loads of them. Every Sunday morning, we go to ABC Church. It's the church around the corner there. If you'd like to come, you're welcome anytime. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. If you want to know anything at any time, I'm all yours. In fact, now that you asked, on Monday, and we've got them running from time to time, we've got an alpha course that starts. You can come at 7 o'clock. There's cheese and wine, and uh, you're welcome. There's loads of people going to be there. Some people that attend our church, some people that don't, some people that are uh, interested in Christianity, some people that are not. And we're inviting everybody to come along, and then we're going to watch a little video together which explains what the Alpha course is. And if you're interested, you can sign up and you can jump onto the Alpha course, which is a, a series of weeks discovering about Christianity and Jesus and church and prayer and all of what it's, uh, what it's about. But if after you've attended that Alpha launch night, it's not what you're looking for, don't worry about it. No strain, no pressure at all. You know, come day, go day, you can make the decision, decision yourself. Do you want to come on Monday? Do you want me to pick you up? How easy is that? Not having to explain our faith. Not having to do anything, just simple sharing. What did the lepers do? Did the lepers turn up with a detailed inventory? Well, king, you'll be glad to know that we went there. There was gold, there was silver, there was food, there was total, there were 747 tents there, there was donkeys. There was. Do you think they went into detail about the good news? What did the scripture say? They just shared the good news. And they turned round and they said, there's no one in the camp. That's all it was. There's no one in the camp. And sometimes, for some reason, we add all manner of complexity to our faith. And they ask us questions. Do you know you're allowed to say, don't know? If somebody wants to ask me questions about natural selection, I say, I don't know much about that myself. I believe in creation, but I'm sure there's a book or there's a guy at church I can introduce you to. I really don't know how to answer that question, but I'll find out somebody who can. 
Somebody asks you a question about the Trinity and God and how can you prove he exists? Well, like, I don't know how to explain that, but, but if you come to the church or I'm happy to help you, introduce you to somebody who can answer those questions, you know, because that's what it's like. We think we need to know everything. How many of you know stuff about deoxyribonucleic acid? That's DNA. DNA, that's, you know, we all have heard about DNA. Have you heard about DNA? Yes, have you heard about DNA over here? Right, well, tell me about it. We wouldn't think someone's mad if they couldn't explain to us that DNA even stood for deoxyribonucleic acid to start with, let alone what it means and all the genetic code and everything that's wired together in all of it, would we? But when it comes to our faith, we seem to think we have to have the answers for everything. I have been a believer and follower of Jesus Christ for way over 20 years. I still don't know everything. <gasps> and I'll never know everything. There's only one person that knows everything. His name is God. We don't know everything about our universe, about the planet. But all we do is take what's in Scripture and interpret it as Christians. We've got to go and we've got to share. But the thing about sharing is this. We're obligated you see, they were there in the camp, and they're enjoying the spoils of their decision. And we come to faith in Christ, and we enjoy the spoils of our decision. Life changes. Now, how many of your lives, come on, hands up, all of you. Your life is never the same since you came to Christ. Come on, that's worthy of you putting your hands. Look, nearly every, yeah, or every hand in church is, uh, is up this morning, bar those that are thinking the heating is up, and if I put my hands up, they'll maybe smell. My body orders, we respect you for thinking of the person in the chair next to you. But if we go, and if we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we don't just get a blessing for ourselves, we get a blessing for others too. Others can share the good news. And when we share the good news, it brings freedom. The city walls came down. It brings freedom. Walls in your lives and in the lives of others will come down as we go and as we share. And the blessing comes. Do you want a blessing? Do you want a blessing on your lives? Then go and share. Take a step of faith. Because a lot of us, sometimes we feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We may be across the room. Or we may, we, may be, we may be there in the office and we've got a moment. You know, even when you've not taken the moment, you can use it again. Do you know, I've done that before. This is a bizarre story that I'm going to share with you. But I was on a train. And the train that I was on, this is about three, four years ago. I was on a train... And uh, as trains are sometimes in the UK, you can sometimes have them running late. And I was on a three-stop train. In order to get most places in Wales, you can't get to anywhere in one stop, do you? You can get to London in one stop. But if you want to go north, as I do on a regular basis, you've got to via Midlands or via Manchester. Or via, and you've got to get off one train, and then you've got to wait for the another train. And if your first train is late, then you quite often miss the second train. And you know... What I've learned to do is not get frustrated about missing that train, but I've tried to look for the story within the story and say, Lord, why have I missed this train? Is this in your plan? 
and to go around with open eyes. So I was on the second train. And I was on the second train, and as I was sat there, there's a, in, in the seat, I just looked for a seat, and I just sat in the first seat. It was rammed, because obviously there's two lots of people on this train now, the ones that have missed the one before. It was absolutely jam-packed. And so I'm on this train, I think it was from Bristol Parkway to Birmingham, uh, was, was that particular train. And as it gets there, obviously people are going off the stops, and as it nears Birmingham, I'm left, me and four people in the carriage, a pregnant woman that's opposite me in the seat there, myself, and just about two or three people that were behind me. And the reason, Andrea, I know it was only two or three people behind me is this pregnant woman that was must be, well, she was about to burst, if I'm being honest, nine months pregnant. You know, she looked about 15 months pregnant. She did. She was huge. No, I mean huge. Huger than that. And she wasn't just a huge lady. She was actually a small lady that had become huge because of reproduction basically. So anyway, she sat there, but she's like this, and she's in a chair trying to get comfortable all the time. And I turned to her, I said, oh, you look in a lot of discomfort. And she said, oh, yeah, I, I've already suffered with, like, back problems anyway. But the last couple of months, I said, oh, when are you due? And she said, two days ago. I said, oh, my word. I'm thinking, Lord, <laughs> she can't go into labor on this train. Like, I'm out of here, you know. And, oh, my water's broke. Cheers, bye. You know, I'm thinking if this happens, she's there on the train, but she's in so much pain. And as we come into, I get my luggage, and we get to my stop, and I go and pick up the luggage, and the train comes in, and it does that stop sometimes, this a little bit outside the station, waits there for a while before coming in. And as I'm there with the luggage and the train is stopped, the Holy Spirit whispers in my heart, go and pray for her. What am I thinking at this time? I can't pray for her. I'm on a train. <laughs> I mean, what is everybody going to think? Da, 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 the madness of it all. And it's going through my mind in turmoil. So I'm thinking, oh, no way am I going to pray for her. So I go and I'm there by the door. It's only me by the door waiting, you know. Come on, looking out the window. Da, 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 da. And I go in there and I'm thinking, oh, I've just got to do this. So I go and grab the luggage and I put the luggage back in there. And I go up to the lady and say, this is going to sound really weird. But I'll tell you why I've come back. Because you do get a chance for a second time. I said, do you know why I'm coming back? I'm coming back because, is it okay if I pray with you? I believe in a God that answers prayer. And I believe he can take the pain away and he can heal you right now. Is it okay if I pray with you? And she looks at me with tears coming down her eyes. And she says, that would be lovely. And I went and I prayed with her, and I prayed with her, and I started really praying. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit's anointing. I'm going, I'm starting quietly, will you pray for her? In the end, I'm going, you know, really going for it in the train. Three people in the back, you know, that are probably thinking. But I got my eyes closed because I'm praying. I'm going there. I said, in Jesus' name, touch her. Amen. Now, the thing is, I don't know what happened from that point on. Because I'm thinking, the train's starting to move. <laughs> I'm thinking... I need to get my luggage, and I need to grab my... Now, I don't know the answer to the story, because I just jumped off. But the thing I'm trying to tell you is this. I was obedient. Yeah. I was obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that woman ended up jumping out of the train and following after me and going, whoa, I've been healed, or whether she was still in pain after. I'm not trying to make a story. I'm telling you the honest truth here. I'm not going to make a story into something it isn't. That's the truth. But what the Holy Spirit lays on our heart to do, we need to be obedient. 
Just like Jesus in Capernaum at that first wedding. And when they're all told to get like 12 jars of water and fill them up, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes to the people that are there and says about Jesus, whatever he says to you, do it. And that's how we need to live as Christians. Whatever he says and speaks to us in our heart, cross the room, share with someone. So even if we haven't shared Martin with that person and we walked away, we could still go back. Can we? And we say, Martin, I'm really, really sorry. Yeah, I've just come back to tell you something. While I was, you know, I just felt the Lord telling me to tell you, you know, do you want to come to church on Sunday? I know it sounds crazy, but do you want to come? We can go back. We can go back and we can go and mend that prompt that the Holy Spirit uh, tells us to do. So can we go? Can we share? And can we enjoy the blessing of God that comes our way? The upshot of what had happened on that day was a huge, huge blessing was turned out for everyone concerned. For the lepers... We could die, but they didn't. We could live. They did. Not only did they live, they experienced life to the full. Food aplenty, gold, silver, clothes, all the spoils. Not just them, everybody else in the city. You and your household shall be saved. Isn't it? That was the promise to the Roman jailer in the book of Acts. You and your household, that promise of blessing is ours. If we will go and if we will share. So can I ask you in closing, what are you doing tomorrow night? Because if you're interested in going on to Alpha or you've got a friend that's interested in going to Alpha or even if Alpha is no concern of yours at all, can I ask you to come? Because as all of us are together as a group of people, who knows what God can do through your life as you're here with Alpha, we're having cheese and wine, a kick, so I don't know what we're having, cheese and wine, why did I say that? Uh, we're having food and we're having a buffet and we're having all kinds of different things. I'm not consumed with cheese and wine, it was just the first thing. Sorry, cheese and wine at home, bread and wine in church, isn't it? That's the way it goes. So we'll, maybe we'll have bread and wine at church. And, but can I ask you, come tomorrow night, make up the numbers Let's come and let's be together as a church because others are coming. Others are inviting. And tomorrow on your journey, maybe pop across to the neighbor. Maybe ask the colleague at work. Or maybe text a friend. Or maybe, you know, share the stuff that's on Facebook and say, Hey, I'm going to this tomorrow night. Do you fancy coming with me? It's as easy as a click and a share. So go and experience the blessing that God has for us in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for a great harvest. Lord, that as we as a group of believers are obedient to your word in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, where you taught and told us and commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and your promise is that you will be with us as we do so even to the end of the age. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.